Welcome to That's No Longer My Ministry, a podcast that tells a different story about healing. A story of healing as discipline, as real, hard, and uncomfortable work. This is a place where we honor the journeys of marginalized folk actively purging years of programming and the consequence of never being centered. A place for acknowledging and moving through trauma. A place where radical self-liberation is sought and no is a complete sentence. You should listen if you're someone who wants to build the kind of life you don't need to escape from. I'm your host, Nadia, a black woman who has spent way too much time trying to fit into a number of spaces that weren't and still aren't meant for me. But that's no longer my ministry. I am feeling really anxious and I have a lot of pain uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my back right now, which is a is directly correlated to the, the anxiety and stress that I have. Um, yeah. So that's, I wish it wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. I, something's in the water because I am extremely anxious too. Um, and I've just been like trying to work on it for a couple of days because it's just showing up so physically present right now. And yeah, nothing's been, nothing's been really alleviating it. So I appreciate you being super honest and transparent about where you are. Um, and I wanted to meet that just by letting you know, I'm also anxious. So we're just two anxious black girls having this pod conversation today. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. I'm not, we're not alone, right? I wish we were in an, another situation, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think this mercury retrograde really hit me hard. Um, and usually I feel like I can protect myself from it, but, um, this one was rough. <laughs> I <laughs> like, Ooh, it was, I feel like I barely made it. I don't, you know, it's funny you you're mentioning mercury retrograde and I'm wondering if anybody tuning in doesn't know what that means and so love for you to kind of like share a little bit about that because i feel like those memes are all over the internet and some people might be reading them and being like what um and in sharing a little bit about that i'd love for you also to introduce yourself and just like answering who you are in the core of what you think of yourself you don't have to share any titles if you want don't want to but just like who are you to you yeah so i'm alicia kaye Black woman living in the Bay Area, working in tech. And I think who I am as a person is someone else said this about themselves and I'm kind of going to appropriate it. (laughs) I feel like I'm a spiritual person having human experience, um, having a human experience, excuse me, in the sense that like I'm really connected with my spiritual side and that kind of drives a lot of uh, my interactions with others and how I live my life. I'm very motivated by having impact in the world. And so Mm -hmm. if I can help others or grow from, you know, helping others, I guess, then that would be a really awesome thing for me in my life. And so I like to be around people and helping them and hopefully we'll make a big impact in the world one day. So that's me. I'm really into things like astrology, super uh, into like crystals, manifesting a lot, a lot of things I think we'll talk about today. Uh, But the Mercury retrograde is basically, you know, I feel like high level, the planets do some things and Mercury moves in a way that appears to be going backwards. And it affects a lot of things like communication, travel, technology, uh, just a lot of things can happen during that time. And some people probably think that's a a whole bunch of like, it's not, it doesn't exist or whatever, but I guarantee you the three times a year that it happens for the three weeks, things are going left and people are freaking out. I don't know. I know so many people this past couple of weeks, I had issues with travel. It's just like mercury retrograde all over it. Um, communication issues we've had all these other like eclipses as well and i'm not like an astrologer so i don't know all the things that happen but what i do know is this is like a super charged time in the planets and our universe and the period before the retrograde and after 
can affect you, like can affect, you know, your, like your everything. You could feel emotional if you're, especially if like you're an empath and you feel a lot of things, this could just be a really difficult time. And I'm definitely an empath. So I struggle in situations like this. Uh, We just also had a full moon though. So hopefully that will bring in some new energy in the next couple of days. We can kind of just release all this buildup and anxiety that's been happening. Oh (laughs) man. It's a lot. I think it's been the worst in the past five years. I, I've been telling several people that I was like this, I've never seen one this bad. (laughs) It's, it's been awful. And I think like, I love that you said, you might think it's like a little bit out there. You don't believe in it. I'm like, I would, I would like those who are questioning it to go track, go look at the calendar dates and then think about like, were there some weird <laughs> miscommunications? Cause I think that one, it's like in the moments where I'm like, I feel like I've said this very clearly. I feel like I'm making a lot of sense and yet it's not coming across. I'm like, probably mercury retrograde like i just feel like this is just it's not my fault (laughs) we're doing everything we can and it's just i was traveling last week like cars just like stopped working on our way it just like cars shut down and i was like what is happening and i just can't understand any other explanation for it so I, yeah, I wholeheartedly um, subscribe. And (laughs) I will say Google, if anyone does not believe this, Google the whole Southwest debacle that happened, Southwest Airlines, where their computer system failed and all these flights were canceled. I know several people that this happened to. And yeah, it's real stuff. But what I wanted to also (laughs) circle back to, because you you kind of mentioned in your introduction, you're saying, you know, you're someone who likes to have impact. That's what drives you. And I was introduced to you through a mutual friend because of dance parties you were holding last year during the pandemic, and you raised a ton of money. And so I'd love for you to speak to that a little bit, because you are someone who's had a ton of impact already. So I can't imagine that that's going to slow down anytime soon. Yeah. So, you know, last year, 2020 was, you know, pretty awful for the world. And, you know, we went through this like collective traumatic experience where we lost a lot of people. We lost time. We lost, (laughs) you know, hopes and dreams and things that we wanted to do. And everything just kind of stopped and completely, I feel, took the control out of any of anybody's hands. Um, and something that I really felt at the beginning of last year, when we started the shelter in place, living in the Bay area, like it was the first shelter in place that happened in, in the U S uh, I live alone. I don't have any family in San Francisco. I don't necessarily ascribe to like being extroverted or introverted. And most people would probably just assume that I'm extroverted, but I really like my own personal time. So I live alone, but I did not think I was going to be stuck inside by myself with no contact with anybody. And just as a, as a human being, I mean, we crave that, that connection. And because I'm someone that likes to help others and be with others, I'm sure. And being with others. Yeah. Like I just felt really like for a minute, maybe like a couple of days or a week, I felt, you know, hopeless. I felt like, yeah, hopeless. And also that I couldn't help anybody. Like Mm. I was like, I really want to give back because number one, I have my health, I have my job, I have a place to stay. And so I was really grateful for the privileges that I have in my life during, during a pandemic, but I can't go outside and like raise money for people and do things like that. And so this actually started not for charity. It started uh, as some Instagram stories. I was bored and I started filming myself in my apartment, giving people a tour of like my cabinet and all the the glasses I have and like my refrigerator and outfit of the day and uh, just some comedic relief and expression. And people kept saying like, this is, you know, brightening my day. And so I was like, well, if I'm making people happy during this like really depressing and scary time, I'm going to keep doing it. And then I kept doing it. And I was like, I'm going to call this staying home with Alicia and put a little song and make an intro. And long story long, (laughs) I decided, you know, let's do a virtual, let's do a virtual dance party. Uh, Mariah Carey is, you know, my, my, maybe my number one artist of all times. And she should be emancipation of Mimi is one of the best albums there ever was. 
And it was the 15th year anniversary. And I was like, you know what? Everybody I know is in their house being sad. Let's dress up, put on some clothes, put on a lipstick, maybe do Mm. your hair or not. Join me on this Zoom. We're going to listen to the album. So everybody, you know, I think it was like 30 to 50 folks just like hopped in on this Zoom. We listened to Emancipation of Mimi. Everybody was on the chat. And then afterwards, I said, I'm just going to start playing after party music. So I did 90s R&B and hip hop. And we we stayed on the call till 4 a.m. And I told everybody I would do this every Friday until this thing is over. Little did I know at the time I was going to host 19 of these things (laughs) last year, but I did. The second week, you know, I texted a friend. I said, this idea came out of nowhere. Honestly, now thinking about it, I think it was like a little bit of a divine thought Mm -hmm. in that, you know, it was planted in my head that when we go to the club or the bar, we'll spend, you know, five to $25 on a cover. What if next week when we listen to the Usher Confessions album, <laughs> of course, we all pitch it because that's what it was. Nasty. We all pitch in, you know, five to twenty five dollars or not or nothing. But if if you have it and you want to give and we'll donate it to this organization called um, Pizza versus Pandemic. And basically that organization was uh, raising money to buy food for frontline responders and healthcare workers uh, at small restaurants to be able to keep those restaurants in business um, during the pandemic and then also provide meals for people who were in the hospitals. And so we did that. We raised like $600 and I was like, let's keep doing it. And next thing I know, we got to $53,000, I think 17 parties later. And Honestly, like looking back at all of this, it's it's wild to think because all I had really my resources were my apartment, my little DJing skills on Spotify and Zoom. Like I paid for a Zoom membership uh, and, and my friends, the community that we created. And I think that was the base of it. We, we built community in a, in a really devastating time virtually. And we took advantage of the fact that, you know, we were able to see each other on Fridays and have this release And also people like became friends, like my friends Mm -hmm. became friends and I met new people because of the significant people in my life now. So yeah, that's a long story of how that happened. An amazing story. And I still don't really believe it, to be honest. Um, You got to believe it. You did incredible (laughs) things. Like I think it's just, you know, it's really because we're all and some of us still like we're so isolated. We're so like just down like the way you described it i'm like i just remember in that time being like there's just nothing to do there's nothing we can do um and the fact that you took that energy and you're like not only am i going to build a community for us but i'm going to build a community for us and then make sure that we're contributing to something larger than ourselves and i think that that's just so beautiful it just it makes me so happy to know you exist and it was a major reason i wanted you on the pod because you know my my friend was like she's amazing and then we got to meet and talked for i don't even know like we didn't get to talk for very long but the stuff that you were like the nuggets you were dropping about manifesting i was like i need to talk to her i need to have a lengthy <laughs> conversation with her so that's like i mean spoiler the focus of this <laughs> podcast episode but i wanted to move into the activity that we do called so you've been told um where i pull random quotes from the internet and share it with my podcast guests to see how they feel um it's always related to what we're talking about so i of course pulled quotes about manifesting and i wanted Mm -hmm. to see because you're doing such deep work in that space and you have been doing it for a long time i just wanted to see like do they resonate um you know what are some of your reactions what does that mean to you hearing some of these quotes i'm excited These ones, I think these are good. Like, so usually, I mean, like sometimes I bring in like what I think are problematic quotes, funny quotes, but this time, since I think manifesting is a topic that people talk about pretty loosely all the time, but people don't really ask questions about like how to do it, what it means, like what you need to be doing to really unblock things for yourself, which is something you've spoken to me about. And so um, Mm -hmm. I just pulled quotes like about them and wanted to see where they would take us since you know so much about manifesting. So the first quote is from Maya Angelou, actually. And the quote is, ask for what you want and be prepared to get it. 
Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> um, I, I think because, and, you know, maybe we'll get more to, you know, how to, how to manifest a little later, but a big part of, of manifesting is the asking, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's the exciting part. Like what, what do you want? But I think what people struggle with is the timing. But when she, when she says be prepared, she says be prepared to receive it, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that's the part that a lot of people trip themselves up on because manifesting is not, I want, um, you know, I want to pet an elephant right now and the elephant <laughs> appears, right? It's like you prepare yourself to craft what you are looking, what you want. And then you have this unwavering trust that it's going to come, but you also have to prepare yourself for that. And I think it's a lot of work that people don't understand between asking and also receiving. Hmm. Um, Also too, like depending on how you ask for it could be when you get it or how you get it. And so you might ask for something that you weren't prepared for. Oh, You know, so there's, I don't know. There's like a lot of things like running around in my head right now, but, but I, I think I personally, feel like as I've started to take on this journey myself over the past, you know, six or seven years, I think is when it's been, uh, I've, I've actually like really tried to change, change my life or have changed my life. Let me not say try, have changed my life. Yes, girl. Uh, where I have struggled is not what I want. I know what I want. It's when is it going to come? getting into these mindset negative patterns of like, it's not happening when I want it to happen. And maybe I'm moving towards it, but I'm blocking myself or I've created this world that I'm in. How do I get out of it? So I don't know if any of that makes sense, but I, I love that because I think the hardest part is the receiving when, and what she said, but be prepared to receive it. You have to kind of surrender to mm. believing that it will happen when it's going to happen. Things are moving in that direction. Yeah, um, that's good. I wish that's- I was that, that wise like her. <laughs> Listen, we all wish we were as wise <laughs> as Maya Angelou, like that goddess. I love all the things you said. I'm like, oh, there's so many questions. We'll dig into it. I just really love that you honed in on that second half. People will ask and ask and ask and maybe not even recognize when they're receiving it or so many different things. So we'll we'll dig into that, but we're going to get to the next quote. This one is all that we are is the result of what we have thought. There's a similar quote from Einstein around the world we've created is the like it's from the thoughts that we've had or like the, the, the thoughts that we've had created the world that we're in. I think this quote specifically it's interesting because it's saying like you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like all that we have is what we've created, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know like how I feel about that one because I do I do think there's other things about us that we we do not have anything to do with <laughs> that are yeah. completely out of our control. And maybe this is the same sentiment that I w- I'm thinking of in this in this other quote. But I do think that we we have the power to create and manifest what we want in our lives and recognizing that where you are now is what you've created for yourself can be a good thing for some folks or like a really hard thing to face for others. Mm-hmm. And I think those words, when it when it's saying you and not like your, your world or your circumstances may feel a little bit kind of like, oh, but like, what about all the things that we can't control about ourselves um, yeah. that have shaped us? So that's what I have to say about that one. <laughs> I like that. That's what that's what it's about. Quotes are supposed to be interrogated. So I like that you were like, mm, not quite, but I see <laughs> see potential in that. Um, well, because you don't want people to feel bad, right? Like you don't want people to be like, well, what's wrong with me? Like, have I have I turned myself into like I feel like it questions your character as opposed to your circumstances. And just acknowledging that a lot of things can there's a lot of things that can affect the person that you become. You don't have mm-hmm. to place it on the blame of your own thoughts, right? But I do think that your own thoughts can change or create the world that you live in. Yes, I totally agree with okay. you. You can influence it, but not everything around you is because of you. That's a little bit, that's a little bit drastic. 
Yeah. But I do think if it's just talking about the you in the sense of like maybe the status of like how you, you know, your of your mind and of how you're dealing and your emotions and things like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But let's take some of that pressure off. <laughs> I'm I'm always feel- good with alleviating pressure. <laughs> That feels a little harsh. Give people a break. <laughs> we all need one right now, girl. Like that's <laughs> period. Period. Uh, this last one, you manifest what you believe, not what you want. Hmm. A simple way to think about manifesting is that, you know, you ask, right? The universe, the mm-hmm. source, the, the air, God, whoever you, whatever you, or whoever you believe in, if nothing, you know, just energy and science. Um, you ask, you know, what you want, but you have to believe that it's yours. And if you don't believe it, we could go and list out a bunch of different things today that we want, you know, like I want this promotion. I want this, this car. I want this, this amount of money. I want this, 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 and this. I want world peace. I want all these things. But then the next minute we're like, oh, but that I can't afford that. And that that's not going to happen. World peace, never. You know, like if you don't actually believe that you already have it, it's hard to be able to get to that place. And I think part, the next step of believing is the visualization and being able to like, you know, I feel like when I went to your apartment, you had a, a, I'm pretty sure you might have had some affirmations written on the window and yeah, uh, a, little, a little vision, a little vision board, a nice uh, little so collage. You know, <laughs> you know all about the visualization, but I think the believing part is really, really important because you can ask all you want, but if you don't believe that it can happen for you, then you're not going to get it. <laughs> mm, yeah, you really have to believe that part. So that was an interesting quote. It's so interesting the way you described it now. I'm like, with that description that you've given, I think the quote is whack. I'm going to say the quote is whack. Like, I feel like <laughs> I'm comfortable doing that. I, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that because I just like the like I like the way you framed it, where it's like the want is part of it, but the belief matters more, you know? And so for being like, you know, like ask for what you believe, not what you want. I think that simplifies it too much. Like the two can be connected. Your belief, you could believe that you can get what you want. I think what the quote was trying to do probably was emphasize the believing part. Yeah. But I think it just does a disservice the way that it's written. Let's leave that quote behind and move forward. Bye. <laughs> Sorry to that person. Right? Like we just, we don't need it. We, <laughs> I don't need it in my life anymore. I wanted to take us to the next segment, which is really getting into the meat of the podcast. That's no longer my ministry where I ask you what is no longer your ministry. So I've been thinking about this one and I feel like the thing that keeps floating to the top of my list could be because of my current circumstances and what I'm working through with my therapist. But a big thing that I identified about myself is that I no longer have to create roadblocks or anxiety inducing situations for myself. I have Mm -hmm. the power to put myself first and foremost and not deprioritize my feelings or my sanity or my mental health, my physical health for others. Mm. And I don't think that I am a person that creates problems for myself. So let me clarify what I mean by that. But I do think being such an empathetic person and being so generous, I am willing to give more than I'll ever receive for like everybody. And I know this about myself, but that doesn't mean I always have to say yes. And something I'm doing in 2021 is if this does not serve me, or if this would not be reciprocated for me, it's okay to say no, even if it's going to hurt somebody's feelings, because I need to focus on myself. Mm -hmm. And there's a deeper level to that around feeling like my feelings in my life have never been prioritized. Mm. And so that's no longer my ministry though. I'm putting myself first and I'm focusing on identifying the parts of my circumstances that are created by me and the things that like I have control over to help me with the parts that I don't have control over. 
Yeah, that makes sense to me. And what you said is something okay. I've been and I'm saying how it resonates with me. This may not be what you mean, but I've been telling myself lately, like, I'm not going to get in my own way. I'm not. And that's something I have to consciously like repeat to myself, because similarly, I often give more than I receive. But I also like there are things where I'm like, I I could do this. But and then it's like a mental game um, where I'm not just trusting myself to move forward or I'm creating a roadblock. And I'm like, why are you getting in your own way? Just like just move forward. Just go do this. Um, So what you said really like that really struck a chord with me because it's been something I've been repeating my to myself lately. But I did want to get into you said, you know, it it stems from this deep belief. I want to dig into that deep belief because that's what we're here to do today is really figure out like what has made us feel like certain things had to be our ministry. This is from childhood. <laughs> so, you know, I'm I'm going to probably tread lightly on how how much of this I share, but I will say that what I've started to realize and if my parents listen to this, I love both of you so much and this is not an attack. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, my parents got divorced when I was young. And I think being a child in divorce, there's several different ways that this can affect people. And what I have come to realize and actually talk to my parents about openly now is that I was hurting, but I never felt heard. And I think that I was, my feelings just weren't ever prioritized because I was a child and my feelings are not going to save a marriage, right? My feelings are not going to change the outcome of two adults navigating their lives. And I personally believe that that has kind of trickled from from that moment to now, Mm -hmm. where interactions that I've had with friends, family, whatever, I have deprioritized my own feelings in service of others. And the reason why I brought up, I guess, the like the roadblock thing or whatever is because a lot of the times I'm trying to accommodate other people. I do. I just try to do too much. Yeah. And I, and I know that I can say no and I can prioritize myself. I mean, I'm letting, you know, this is something that like, I think three a week, three weeks ago, kind of breakthrough. Like I feel teary eyed talking about it because it wasn't until my therapist said, it sounds like your feelings have never been prioritized. I looked at her and I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, like you're seeing up, me, girl. you're hearing me. I was like, okay, but did you have to see through me and rip, rip, you know, that part through me like that? Like, did you really have to go through the screen, grab <laughs> my chest and pull it out of my body? Because, wow, like, I probably realized that, but sometimes you just go through your life and you just don't want to deal with stuff. And mm. I'm currently working through that. And I think that allowed me to kind of evaluate how I respond to relationships, other people, just, I don't know. So I'm currently working on that right now. And I think the part about, you know, creating my own roadblocks and anxiety and things like that is because it has taken me a really long time to get to a place where I really am living my life for me. Mm. Even if I have been independent, even if I have, you know, lived my life on the outside, like people looking in might say she's doing it all for herself. I haven't always felt that way. And now I genuinely feel that it's okay to do that. And if other people perceive it in another way, then, oh, well. Yeah, I love that. I, I think it's, it's, so important to get to a place where you feel like you're living a life for you. And I mean, like you spoke to social media or otherwise could give people the impression like this girl's living her best life. She's doing it all. But it's like, yeah, you know, you're doing great things. You're loving things. But there's also a part of you that's stretched so thin because you're doing so many things for other people. (laughs) So um, I think that's a great call out. I'm curious, too, about Um, before you've reached this point of like, yes, I'm going to do things for me. Like how would doing too much for others show up for you? It's the not saying no to trips, going to everybody's weddings, spending money when I didn't need to be spending money, doing, helping people with this, this thing and that thing, you know, getting a call. Can you help me create this fire? Can you help me do this? Can you help me do that? You know, just like so many 
ways that like, I feel like I just couldn't say no (laughs) um, to anybody. And, you know, maybe now it's not like, I'm just going to go say no to everybody, but like, it's okay to be like, I don't have the capacity. It's okay to tell people like, I do not have the capacity. And I recognize that this is what I have the capacity for. While I want to help you, I need to prioritize X, Y, and Z, you know? And like being able to do that is hard because for me, because I just don't want to say no. If I can help people out, I will. But also like, I can just tell people it's going to take me a little more time or I can't do that. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to be like, we'll never talk to you again. Okay. Well then we weren't friends or family in the first place. Exactly. You know, but I don't want to have those kind of conversations because I just want to be able to, to help. So I feel like that's how that came up in the past. I also think too, like feeling, you know, leaving Louisiana, leaving my, my home and and my family to pursue this life. There are some perceptions that I didn't want to be associated with Louisiana anymore. My family, which is completely the opposite. But for me, like, since I was four years old, I told my dad that like, I thought Louisiana was a black hole, which I do not think I love Louisiana. Um, But I, I, what I meant was I felt no one ever left. You stayed Mm. there forever. And the opportunities there are the opportunities. And I wanted to, I wanted to explore. I wanted to dream. I wanted to live the life that my parents invested and sacrificed for me to go and live. And I think from that moment on, I've always had this internal battle and and guilt and question, like, why, why do I live so far away? Like, why do I choose to, to do this? Why, you know, and honestly, you know, if I could have all my family here, they would be here. So it's not that it's more just, I wanted to really experience life and I wanted to, to do things that, you know, were the, the wildest dreams of, of my parents and grandparents and, you know, ancestors. And so that's another way it's come up in my life, just feeling like I'm being selfish for pursuing my dreams and, and, and not staying behind. I feel that that's something I contemplate a lot and especially a lot more recently now that my parents are getting older and like health issues have come up for my mom and stuff like that. Like that's something I feel like that's a, a talk track that is like on repeat in my head about like, why did you move so far from your family? Why aren't you there for them? You know, like, mm-hmm. I wish they were here. But at the same time, for me, I'm like, they wouldn't be happy here, but I wouldn't be happy there. And don't they want me to be somewhere where I'd be happy? Like, it's a whole, yeah, it's a spinning thing. But it's like, you are doing this life, not only for you, the life that you want to live, but like for your ancestors who wanted you to live out your wildest dreams because we are moving into the segment is the work for me. I'm curious, like as you, especially now that, you know, you, I, you mentioned that three weeks ago you had this breakthrough, like I need to be prioritizing me and my needs and my feelings and not necessarily saying no to everything, but just giving myself space to breathe as I help other people and help myself. What does that work look like for you to actually put this into practice? I see manifesting as like one part of like my holistic lifestyle. Um, And I think part of that is like really making sure I craft some sort of ritual practice for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think that's in in addition to therapy, which I, everybody should be in therapy, but in in addition to that, right. You know, that's, that's part of the things I do. Like I, really take the time out of my day now to focus on what is the, what's going to serve me in the moment. Right now, the capacity I have, because I'm in a, like a pretty demanding situation at work is honestly sleeping, eating and going to work. And that's the, that's what I'm focusing on right now. Not focusing on doing another $50,000 dance party situation I'm not really focusing on doing too much outside of that. Maybe, you know, a trip here or there, but I'm really just focusing on that and finding a new apartment. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, just that. Just that. But I developed a really interesting relationship with crystals in the past, uh, maybe I guess six years where I have started to meditate with my rocks and I have different rocks uh, <laughs> for different things. And while I do believe that they have energy and they are magical, they will not cure everything. They help me 
associate certain things with the rock. So like if I'm feeling like, hey, you know, I need some clarity. I need some self-love. I'll pick up my rose quartz and I'll meditate with that one. Or if I want to, you know, manifest something like I'm interviewing for a job or, you know, I want to get to this next level, I'll get my regular crystal quartz and things like that. And so that's something that I do. I I meditate with the rocks. I just kind of hold the rocks. I think I visualize, you know, what I need and what I need to release. I take a lot of ritual baths. So I'll, I soak in water and salt a lot, like as, as an empathetic person and I have a few water signs on my, on my chart. I love to be by the water, but I live like in the middle of the city. Like I don't live right by the water. So I can't walk by the water. So if I'm feeling like negative, I'll go and sit and sit in my tub and I actually do that like one every day now um, in my love house, that. like after work, uh, it separates my day, my work day, because my office is my living room is my kitchen. Uh, you know, it's, life, it's separate. <laughs> it separates uh, that part of my day and it allows me to kind of be rooted in my ritual practice. And I, I also usually follow the moon cycles, like I'll manifest on the new, mo- new moon, reaffirm on the full moon, things like that. I'll pull tarot cards or oracle cards for myself. And I do a lot of those things, uh, smudge, um, sage, like I, I do it all. Like I'm really into the, to the witchy things for me, like centering myself. That's it. It's just like really taking that little bit of time every day to do what's going to ground me because I just don't feel grounded in other ways. And then from there, that's when I do my own personal work, I guess. So that that's kind of how that that looks for me right right now. It depends on like what how much capacity I have. Right now it's just eating, sleeping, going to work, maybe seeing a friend and and taking a ritual bath. I'm not doing too too much outside of that. I burned a candle for the full moon the other night, but sometimes it's like really intense. Like I'll I'll sit in my bathroom in the dark for hours like burning candles and reading oracle cards and <laughs> Writing down my hopes and dreams and manifestations like, yes, I can go there as well. (laughs) And we want to hear about it. And I want to ask you, like, leading into this conversation about like what it looks like to manifest for you, because I feel like that'll be the best way to kind of break it down for someone who maybe hasn't gone there before. I'm curious too, like how you got into all of this, because we haven't really gotten to like the origin story of like, okay, I'm loving these crystals. I'm loving lighting all these candles. Okay, now I want to manifest that looks like writing it down. It looks like all of these other things. I'm just really like, I haven't heard this from you before. So how did that start? And then and then you can like walk us through like, what does manifesting look like for you? and maybe some some places for us to start. Absolutely. So I think, you know, it starts young. Like I grew up in Southern Louisiana from, you know, Creole background. And my great grandmother was uh, what's called a traitor and uh, that's a healer. And so she would take in people and pray over them and like take their illnesses into their body. Um, Like, I don't understand how, but when I had like a head cold once and like, made water boil um, in a cup on my head. And I, I was like, okay, I, I definitely believe. Um, and I realized I just kind of had that in my family. And I have always had this like extreme empathy, like to the point where like, I can feel what other people are feeling and it takes a lot of toll on me. And so um, I think I kind of always lived my life without ever exploring that, but kind of being around, like she wasn't voodoo, but like being around voodoo in Louisiana and all these things and like, thinking it was cool and believing in stuff, but like super Catholic upbringing, like (laughs) all of this stuff you cannot believe in. This is blasphemy. You'll go to hell. It wasn't until like after school that, you know, my best friend kind of, we started talking about stuff and she really opened the door. Her name's Imani. And she really opened the door for me to understand and see like other ways of thinking. And a big part of that was literally manifesting. I think she had recognized that like I was in a place where I was taking on a lot of of negativity and my circumstances internally. And and her way of doing that was like, let's watch this documentary together called The Secret. And I was like, okay, (laughs) what's all this stuff? And honestly, I watched it again last night. Like I sent it to my mom, my sister. I was like, y'all, let's watch The Secret. Like it's a corny little doc. Um, You could read the book maybe, but I feel like sometimes I just love watching it because it reminds me of these things. And it was through her helping me 
have a, a, a personal moment of, of releasing negative ties and things that I had been holding on to in my life to be able to step into the realm and possibilities of manifesting and doing all these things. I'm indebted to her for that. She's a lifelong friend, sister to me. And um, that's the origin of it all. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, we wrote some affirmations together. We did like a releasing ceremony in her, in her hat, at her house. We, I wrote some stuff in, in permanent marker Sharpie and we burned it and, you know, like kind of did a little prayer thing with each other. And it literally just started pouring raining. And it was like this really crazy, like moment in my life where I felt like I legitimately acknowledged the things I was holding on to. And I was able to release their ties on my life. And from that moment on, I think it was a defining point for me to start my journey in, you know, the, the metaphysical and and the possibilities of how I could craft my own practice. Right. It's not that I'm like, okay, like, I don't think this is a religion or necessarily has to be spiritual, but I say it's spiritual because it feels like a spiritual thing to me. So from there, like, you know, I moved to Boston and I started going to Salem and I started just like going into the stores and I was like, what about crystals? What about this? Because Part of, I think, you know, step one of the manifesting process is like understanding that your thoughts become things, right? And that like your thoughts have frequencies. And I, and I feel like there's this like toxic positivity culture that you just have to be positive about everything. You can't have negative thoughts. And that's the only way you're going to manifest. I'm going to say, screw that. That's not the case. But yes, you do need to be able to have positive thoughts and affirm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just saying the words, it's not the easiest for everybody. For me, I needed some sort of physical thing uh, that I could hold on to or look at to help me affirm what I wanted to in my life. Mm. Um, so I started out with, with that. I started out with like writing some positive affirmations for myself, seeing them in the mirror to myself and trying to believe them and changing really, really small things about how I speak and just mm. trying to, to get to like affirm in my mindset, not just not be negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, for example, let's say when I was like applying for a job, like yeah. I'm a product manager right now. If I would say like, I really want to be a product manager or if I become a product manager instead of when I become a product manager. Mm. Right. And so just doing like little things like that, just like affirming that, like I already have it, things like that. That was one step. And then the believing that you actually have it is a really hard part. And so I think that's step two, being able to visualize part of that is doing a visual, a vision board and things like that. But I, I just started to like, go to go and talk to like different, like witches in Salem, like straight up. Like I would go into a store, make connections with folks, like explored, you know, astrology, birth charts. I'd always been into horoscopes. And so I, I really identify with that crystals like legitimately like I feel crystals in my hand vibrating like I have a really special connection with rocks I've always loved rocks since I was little collect them so um you know I use those crystals to manifest I use those crystals Mm. to have positive affirmations and to hold them and to put all my intentions in the rock and when I see them it's it would remind me of it and then it helped me change my mindset so I really focused on like releasing things that were holding me back and negativity and also doing the mindset work not focusing too much on the future but I think recognizing that like my thoughts weren't always positive and we have a lot of thoughts and we can't control all of our thoughts but you know if you can if you can I do believe you can get to a place where you can retrain some things yeah and that was one thing that I did and so now I just it's natural and when I hear other people say stuff I'll be like I think I corrected myself earlier like I said something and I was like ah when not if I think that would be the the second part of of the of the manifestation part that the the belief aspect and then the receiving part which uh is 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 hard but that's you know me having the faith to trust in the universe or trust that the universe was figuring out a way or moving in the direction that I am creating and that it's going to happen in the divine timing. And I have no control over that. And, and, and just trusting that I already have it and feel I already have it and start to see how, like, I started to draw things towards me. A really big part of that is like just starting off with positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. And it's not even just like, I am loved, you know, like 
maybe, you know, or like, <laughs> I am healthy. I am wealthy. I am rich. I am that. Oh, okay. That's a song. I'm you that know, girl. Know that <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I think part of it is like identifying where you're at, figuring out what the, what work you need to do to mm-hmm. set yourself up to get to a place where you can ask, believe and receive. I have so, I mean, we could talk about this for hours. I know. Days, weeks, but I think high level, you know, that's how it started for me. And when I work with people, I usually start with like releasing, you know, what are the, what are the things that are currently in your life that you want to let go of that's no longer serving you it could be people it could be things it could be Mm. your mindset it could be a lot of stuff until you do that it's hard to get to the positive right and so I think just doing that uncomfortable work in the beginning was really where I sat for like probably a year Mm -hmm. you know like figuring out what I need to get rid of and then how do I get to a place where I start to just say, well, this is what I want and I have it. And there's things that I wrote on that list when the rain started pouring and there was crying and we were writing stuff and burning stuff that I have in my life that I've experienced now. There's things that the other day I was like, oh my gosh, this was like on my original manifestation affirmations I've ever written. Yeah. And it's wild to see, you know, but it happened when it happened. Right. Not when I thought it was. You know, it, didn't, it, it didn't happen, happen immediately when you asked for that. It elephant didn't happen immediately, but but as time has gone by, I have noticed things happen faster. Right? Yeah. Like I've noticed like I've gotten better at or it feels faster because, you know, I'm constantly in a state of gratitude. And I think that's another aspect of setting yourself up. It's like, you know, after that releasing, when you start to affirm the things that you want, identify the things that you want, I do believe that, you know, focusing on your emotions and focusing on gratitude is a really great place to be. And I I have this sign uh, right above my computer at my desk that says, I'm so happy and grateful now. And I, I, I genuinely believe that you have these moments where, everything feels lost, but when you can find a couple of minutes a day to think about what you're grateful for, it really can change your mood. When you get to a place of gratitude, I think that's where a lot of the manifesting can really be amplified. Mm-hmm. And I get to these places of gratitude where like, I get really emotional now, I think because of 2020, like yes. I'll be with a friend that I hadn't seen in a year and I'll just be like crying at the dinner table or like, at like last week. And I saw one of my best friends we're like at lunch and it's just like tears rolling down my face. And I, and I'm just like expressing things to her about like my healing journey, but also just so grateful that I have a friend that I can have these conversations with. And I think once you get to a place where you can just like sit in that gratitude and really believe it, you can, you can use that and channel that to, to get whatever, whatever you want in your life. I really do believe that. I love that you have such gratitude that you will just burst into tears like that's such a beautiful thing to share but i also think like what you said you know last year was awful in so many ways and we experienced a lot of loss and so to be able to come back this year as we see just like the numbers coming down from people that were losing or people that are contracting covid like there is a lot to be grateful for and there has been a lot to be grateful for especially for me like a lot of my immediate family members were safe during that entire time i'm immensely grateful for that there's so much there's so much to be grateful for and i love that that's something that's centered to your practice and center to the practice of really affirming the things that you know are coming your way. But I did want to circle back because one thing you repeated like, and I have it now, Um, you said that. And in a conversation we had before, one part that I was like, oh, I didn't realize this was the fact that you were talking about manifesting in the present um, and the power of manifesting in the present. And so I wanted to just conclude this segment with that portion because i think it's i think it's like key and i mentioned this to some other people the other day and they had no idea so i really wanted to capture that so talk to us about manifesting in the present yeah so one basic part of manifesting is the ask right or like what is it that you want but you need to believe that you have it now and part of that is writing it that it is now Mm. affirming that it's in the present so an example of that is I'm going to be a CEO in five years. Then that means that you're manifesting that it's going to be five years every time you say it. And it pushes that out from you. I think that's probably the most literal interpretation of that when it should be, I am a CEO. And I believe Mm -hmm. that now because 
you will get to the place where you need because things will move to get you there. Right. But yeah, you have to write your affirmations in a, in a present tense. And I can't believe I didn't even say that. But part of, you know, asking for what you want is asking for it now and just mm-hmm. writing it like you already have it, even though you don't, because you're you're manifesting that you do and you need to take the time component out of it. hmm which is why I hate things like five-year plans and blah, blah, blah. Cause I think your life can change tomorrow. I agree. Time I'm glad you said up. that. I'm glad you said that. Cause I've never been good at the five, 10 year plans. I'm always like, I move with the energy. The energy might not want me to do that in five years. Period. Yeah. And also like time doesn't, it's a construct, right? So why would we use it when we're dreaming big? Mm. Yeah. I love that. But I love that you said that. And even like since we spoke, like something I always say to myself is like, I am a leader. And like one of my biggest goals is like, like moving to a leadership position in title. That's one of my biggest goals right now. But I just tell myself every day I am a leader. So like I'm going for that, but I I already am that. And like that has helped me, I feel like dream bigger because it already feels like it's mine. One thousand percent. I think you're going to get the opportunities and things are going to open up for you to be able to be the leader that you already are. Right. And to get that title that you that is yours, that you have claimed. What's the difference between you being a leader in 10 years and you saying you're a leader now versus 10 years? I mean, I hate to use the 10 weird thing. Maybe let's say three years, but you know what I mean? Like you're still a leader, right? Like when you look at your life, you're still a leader. So why can't it? Why can't you say you're a leader now? Yes. If you already know that it's going to happen. I'm not, Sorry. I'm not slowing down for anybody, period. <laughs> you, are, you are not. And, and one thing I want to say as well, before, you know, I have my time runs is that another part of this is having an abundant mindset versus having a, like a scarcity mindset is also really important. And I think a lot of times when we think about like manifesting, or we talk to others about manifesting, you have to be careful because um, keep those things close to you. People can subconsciously, you know, kind of put their own little thoughts in your way. And, you know, not everybody, unfortunately, has an abundant mindset, but I I challenge everybody to have one, to also challenge themselves when they have those moments where you start, you know, what I mean by abundant mindset is that there's enough to go around for everybody. There's enough, there's infinite amount of everything, of resources, money, blah, 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 that everybody could have without it being taken away from you. And I had these moments, right? Where like you grow up and this person, like, it seems like they have the job and the marriage and everything. And it's like, well, why can't like all my friends be married, have kids and have the job? Why can't they have it all? Why do they have to have one or the other? Right. And sometimes I feel like being, you know, not married and, you know, choosing a life of like focusing on my career. A lot of people are always like, well, you have your career, Alicia. And it's like, okay, but like they could have their career and their family too. And why can't we all have, and why do we all have to like worry about so much about what others have? It doesn't take away from me. And I think that that trips a lot of people up in work environments and corporate environments. You know, you go in and this person doesn't want to help you out because they think you're going to take their spot. But what if you help them, which makes you go up? Like Mm -hmm. when you start to think about that. And so that's another thing I wanted to kind of leave now that I've said the present tense thing. I also think the abundance mindset versus scarcity. I see that in a lot of folks where they want to achieve something, but at the expense of others or someone else is doing well and they put them down, them doing well does not take away from your ability to do well. You could both do well. That's all I wanted to say. And that's another part of manifesting because I think, you know, that's a negative thought. It's negative to think that you can't all be successful. If you truly believe that there's infinite power in the universe, then you have to believe that everybody is able to achieve what they want, not at the expense of you. Um, So that's another nuance, I think, to add to your little toolbox for your master manifestation that you're going to be doing. Girl, that was that was quite the tool, too. You were like, I'm just going to drop this casually. No, like, honestly, I think I think you speak to something that especially us as black women or when we're in community with other people of color, other marginalized folk, we tend to think more abundantly. We tend to think about like, we can all eat, we can all do these things. Like we're all coming up together. Whereas, and like, this is kind of part of the the podcast is really dismantling white supremacy. It's like thinking about whiteness. Whiteness is so individualistic. So when you think about the spaces at work where 
that person isn't like you connect with them and you're like, hey, I see you're doing this. I want to do something similar. Can you help me? And they leave you on red and you're like, I know you can help me because you're already doing the thing I need help with. Like, why aren't you trying to help me grow, which will in turn help you grow? Um, So I'm so glad you mentioned that because like that's some white behavior that I feel like shows up all the time. Um, in all of our spaces and the fact that you know you're you're showing you're sharing that nuance like we can all succeed we can all have the things that we all want it's not just about one or the other and it's not about sacrificing like i love that you said like yeah i have my career but i also want other things and that other person over there who has the marriage also probably wants other things like it's not like they just checked all of the boxes of all the things they're going to receive so mm-hmm. i love all of that i know we're coming up on time so i'm just going to ask we're going to move into the last segment and keep it short because it's really i think we've talked a lot about this but the last segment is like i'm not sorry i'm doing the things for me i'm doing like what i need to do to get through whatever i'm going through and so as we kind of circle back and think about all the work that you've been doing to really center yourself and to remove roadblocks. Sometimes we need to take time away from that work. And I, I refer to it as an escape. So what do you do to escape good, bad, or ugly? What is your escape? Oh, I think my escape is a good bottle of wine and some trash reality TV. And sometimes I got to sit on my sofa and watch married at first sight and drink a couple of glasses and leave everybody on red. <laughs> yes. hundred percent. I indulge in reality TV so much because I know that, you know, I could be reading a book or whatever, but sometimes you just need to do mindless things. And that is one thing I love to do. I don't get to do it often, but when I do, I really enjoy it. And I'm not sorry for that. No. And you shouldn't be. That's one of the best activities <laughs> that exists. <laughs> I no, like. I know, but you know, you be having these moments like you only have the same amount of time as Beyonce and blah blah. I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do when I'm gonna do it, how I'm gonna do it. And one of those things is maybe married at first sight and. Beyonce probably watching it too. Beyonce's taking time for herself too. She's a queen. She knows. Yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I love that. I wanted to give you time also to share um, any of your resources or things that I know you do some coaching as well. So like if people wanted to yeah. reach out to you for that. 1000% quick resources. I mentioned it earlier, but definitely watch the secret documentary on Netflix. Like a lot of the things I said come from that. So these are not things that I've made up on my own. I'm citing my sources or read the book. Uh, She has a few books um, in that series. I started this coaching practice last year. Unfortunately, I prioritized, well, not unfortunately, I prioritized my dance parties over really kicking that off. So this year I'm, I'm coming back, uh, you know, might not be focusing too much on one-on-one coaching, but I have some ideas of things I want to do, like products I want to create, you know, maybe my own pod, who knows, a podcast. (laughs) Like I'm calling it a pod because you call it a pod. And so now I feel like that's what I call them, but I'm going to say podcast because (laughs) this is the only pod. (laughs) And uh, yeah, maybe I'll have one of those one day, but you can follow me uh, at Coach Kaye on Instagram. I haven't updated my content in a minute, but I have some little things that I wrote. So y'all go check that out and I'll be back soon. I think this experience is kind of giving me the motivation and energy, making me feel like, you know, I, I got to put more out there uh, and, and take the time to really share, you know, the things that I've learned on my awakening journey, because I do feel when you're at a place where you've been able to see the positive in your life, you you want to give that to others. And I would love to see other people have this, their positive journeys as well. And yeah, uh, if you're into like some witchy things, definitely follow the hood witch. Love her, uh, Shakira Maria. She started uh, Law of Attraction 1111, two black women. And then I'll drop House Witch, favorite store in Salem. And they're really dope. If you're were interested in like any of the like ritual things I was talking about, they have spell kits, ritual baths, candles, really, really awesome. So yeah, 
I think yeah. that's all the resources. <laughs> I love it. We love that you, we can follow you. And like you said, like you have had content posted. So we're all gonna be new to the profile. I think that there's so much that you've taught me in this session and that all these other listeners are gonna be so grateful. So thank you for helping out some people today. This is labor. Gosh, I'm uh, so happy. <laughs> Well, it it feels like a, it feels giving back to me. It doesn't feel like work. It feels like I I genuinely am passionate about this and I'm grateful that, you know, it was introduced to me. And if I can help others, why wouldn't I? Because I truly believe that there's enough to go around and I don't want to hold this in. I want to share. I feel that calling to share. I love Thank that. you so much for having me. I'm honored. <laughs> oh, it's just been, I, I'm honored. Like this has just been so much fun and I'm, I'm trying to work my way there too. So I just feel like there's a lot of work for me to be doing. You and aren't trying, you're doing. I am doing, I am doing. You're doing, you're doing that. You're doing it. Yeah. I was like, I'm trying. And he's like, you're doing it. That's the, one of the best phrases. You're he's always it. told me that he's like, you're doing it. You're actually doing it. You're not trying. This podcast is a labor of love. And too often, labor by Black women happens without compensation. If anything in this episode resonated, and if you're taking anything along with you today, please consider donating to our Patreon or sending funds via Venmo. All information is available on that'snolongermyministry.com. Also, wherever you're listening to this episode, please consider subscribing and tuning in to next week's community release. Bye fam.